Welcome back to Glitchcast episode number 44. This week, we, uh, we're talking about some, uh, some Netflix action here. A new Netflix show, Maniac, which premiered last Friday? No, two Fridays ago, I believe. Yeah, two Fridays ago, um, very end of September, starring Jonah Hill, Emma Stone, Justin Thoreau, uh, Sally Field, um, directed by Kerry Fukunaga, who made True Detective. Ten episodes all on Netflix, ranging from like thirty minutes to forty-five minutes ish. Couple so surprisingly actually, short episodes yeah, that I was like, yeah. "Oh, it's over!" I expected an hour fifteen, and it was yeah. thirty-five. Pretty digestible, um, but we'll get to that with uh, non-spoilers and spoilers as always. But first, movie news. First up, Ryan Reynolds is going to star in a movie about a man who realizes that he's just a background character in a video game. Sean Levy, who directed uh, the Night at the Museum movies and is a producer for Stranger Things, is going to direct this. Uh, this is from a uh, script that was on the uh, blacklist, I think, back in 2016 or so, which is like basically just like the top scripts that were unproduced, um, voted on by like executives around Hollywood, um, called Free Guy. <laughs> interesting interesting title i guess uh but basically yeah so he's a background character realizes that he's uh living in a game with the help of an avatar so i assume this will be like a, a actual player of the game uh he tries to prevent the makers of the game from shutting down his world well this sounds interesting um you see stranger things attached to anything nowadays and you get excited um but i mean can't say i've heard of this concept before probably gonna be a unique fresh uh, fresh movie yeah, and I, it sounds like something that is perfect for Ryan Reynolds to be kind of like, I don't know, like a bewildered jackass yeah. that thinks he's more important than he actually is. And I can just see him like being in discussions with somebody else and they keep repeating the same thing or something yeah. like a, like an NPC or a non-playable character in a video game would do. Probably going to be probably gonna be a funny one. Yeah. Um, I could see it kind of struggling, though, just like with kind of your example right there it feels yeah. like they could just fall too far into like it's a video game they <laughs> overdo it yeah yeah um uh, it, yeah it'll, it, it's either going to be really bad or really good i don't think there's any middle ground here ryan reynolds has been picking up a lot of projects lately too yeah. he's got like two that are supposed to be on netflix i think obviously deadpool has boosted his star power a little bit after he had you know like flame outs with like green lantern and stuff but He's clearly killing it pretty hard. He owns his gin company. He's got this. He's got, like, the biggest Netflix production ever coming up. Good for him, I guess. Good for Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. yeah. For, come, came a long way from two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. <laughs> uh, next up, Ray Fiennes is going to star in a Kingsman prequel film, uh, which is going to take place during World War One, basically during the... Uh, I guess the origin of the Kingsman. Uh, okay. He's going to be like the first official Kingsman agent. But there's also a Kingsman three that's happening. That's like a sequel again to like the other two Kingsmen. So it's like they're just doing like in a Kingsman universe apparently. A KCU baby. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know how, like I, who's asking for this? I mean, I, Kingsman one's great. Two's fine. Three, we'll see. But do do we need a prequel? Is there source material for this? Like, is the co- are they taking this from the comic? I have no idea. I do. Although I do feel like we did talk about a news story a long time ago. Yeah. Where they had said that they were they wanted to do like maybe like a Netflix show or something, or they wanted to do like a yeah. Kingsman show too. Yeah. So maybe they maybe they really think that this can work. I just can't imagine that there's that big of an audience that it's 
warranting you know a trilogy of films a prequel film and then potentially a sideshow did they say if the same director would be attached because he's a big part of it um let me look i know his name he might just be a producer Mm. um i mean it says matthew vaughn's new story interesting i don't know it doesn't say if he's directing or not yeah uh God, I just I don't, I don't understand it, but I don't know. I get, we'll see what happens with it. Supposed to start shooting early next year, so can't get enough right. Kingsman. Yeah. Uh, next up, the uh, the Birds of Prey movie, which is the DC Universe all female villain uh, film, I guess. I don't know if they're all villains. I think they are. Birds of Prey sounds like would, they'd be villains. Would you say it's some sort of Suicide Squad? <laughs> Uh, with uh, Margot Robbie back as Harley Quinn. Journey Smollett-Bell is going to play Black Canary, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, who you know from uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, or, yeah, uh, and then uh, Cloverfield Yep, Fargo Season 3. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, she's going to play Huntress. Um, I don't know who that first chick is. Uh, <laughs> I don't either. I believe it said that she was in True Blood. Yeah, but I don't recognize. Oh, okay. I think True I Blood and Underground, whatever Small that is. Small role in True Blood. Yeah. Did land a highly coveted role in J.J. Abrams and Jordan Peele's upcoming series, Lovecraft Country. So that's okay. pretty big get. So she must be, you know, an upcoming name here, I guess. Um, in the film, the team will fight a Gotham crime lord who is yet to be unveiled. Sounds cool. like Joker. No, I guess yeah. he's not a crime lord. He's just chaotic. Yeah. <sighs> Do we have a director? Did you say that? Uh, yes. Kathy Yan is the director who I believe was originally actually up for the... I think there's another Margot Robbie movie. Yeah, I thought this was Potentially, it. and she was, she was supposed to be directing that, but then I think they got a different director <laughs> for that, and so then they like knew this was her, so they put her on this. I think... As per usual... DC just throwing shit at a wall and seeing if it sticks. God. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so there's like 18 Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn movies, I believe, in production along yep. with, you know, 45 other in-development projects. So we'll see if this one actually even gets made. I guess having a director attached is probably a good start and yeah. adding to the cast. Uh, oh, man. Anticipation level low. What about you? Yep. Uh yeah no not 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 high but it's also just DC so I don't yeah. think there's any DC thing that would um next up this is wild so we'll get to trailers later but Dark Phoenix X Men Dark Phoenix had its first trailer release last week literally over the weekend two days after the trailer was released they changed the release date for it after it's already been shuffled around a bunch so what Alita Battle Angel Oh, God. Was originally supposed to be premiering over Christmas of this year. That got moved to February of next year. Taking its spot in over Christmas is a recut Deadpool 2. What? Positioned as a PG-13 movie. What? Yep. Who in the world wants no this? One know, no one knows if there's new footage or anything. Ryan Reynolds tweeted an image of him in the Deadpool costume reading to Fred Savage, who was laying in a bed, a la, like, Princess Bride kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. So maybe they're just going to do some stupid shit like that. Um, still ridiculous. This is going to be PG-13. Just cash cash and gra- grab there. You know what would get me into the theater? Go the other way. Release an yeah. NC-17 version, <laughs> and then I'd go see that. But PG-13, come on. Then Dark Phoenix 
uh, whose release date was taken by Alita Battle Angel, is getting moved to June of next year instead. And Gambit, which was originally in that June slot, is now pushed to March of 2020. So a couple things here. I didn't even know Gambit was still in play. Is this still Channing Tatum? <laughs> it's still Channing Tatum. No director. There's been like three different directors attached that have all yeah. left. Channing Tatum's somehow still on it. There's no way that movie ever happens. No. Especially with and Fox getting sold to Disney. What sort of marketing department doesn't get all of their ducks in a row before they release the trailer and then immediately move the release date so drastically? Like, get it together. <clears throat> I saw some speculation. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. I saw some speculation that maybe it was because there was such a response to the Dark Phoenix trailer that it got so many views that they thought, oh, maybe this won't actually be terrible and people will go see this, so we're going to change the release date. Although it feels like they should have done a little... like That feels like something that warrants more research that they would have just <laughs> known that beforehand. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about our reactions to whether we think that's going to be good or not, but I don't know what to make of this news. It just feels like Fox not knowing what they're doing and slash like trying just the executives trying to make as much money as possible before they get fired when they're sold to Disney. Oh man. Um, Next up, happy death day. The sequel, which is called happy death day to you, which I gotta be honest, this is like one of the best sequel names. I think that is brutal. (laughs) Uh, Is getting a Valentine's day release date in 2019. Have you watched the, the the first one yet? I actually did. Um, (gasps) When I was flying to New Zealand, I watched a bunch of like campy, bad horror movies that I knew the wife would never watch with me. And uh, I I enjoyed it. Right. Uh, Aside from the goofy looking mask that the villain wears, I remember just really getting a kick out of it and having a good time. Like it was bad, but it was fun. Oh, it was a lot of fun. It knew that it wasn't going to be very good and it leaned into the campiness and just the stupidity of it. I don't know how they're going to make a sequel, if it's going to be the same trope or what, but... uh, It has to be, yeah. I'm looking forward to it, huh? Creative, getting creative ways for that girl to die was was what I enjoyed about that movie, so I'm, I'm in. Um, last movie news story of the week here. Seth Rogen has set his next movie at Sony. Him and Sony famously had a bit of a problem uh, when he was supposed to release the interview movie <laughs> about mm-hmm. him supposed mm-hmm. to kill Kim Jong-un, and then Sony had the whole thing with their leaked emails and all that shit. Um, but back in business, he is um, going to play a pickle maker. <laughs> in uh, what is currently called untitled pickled comedy. I'm Pickle Rick! Um, <laughs> I'm Pickle Rick! That's just what this reminded me of. Keep going. <laughs> um, Rogan stars as Herschel Greenbaum, a struggling laborer who immigrates to America in 1918 with dreams of building a better life for his beloved family. One day while working at his factory job, he falls into a vat of pickles and is brined for 100 years. <laughs> the brine preserves him perfectly... And when he emerges in present-day Brooklyn, he finds that he hasn't aged a day. But when he seeks out his family, he is horrified to learn that his only surviving relative is his great-grandson, Ben Greenbaum, also played by Rogan, a mild-mannered computer coder whom Herschel can't even begin to understand. Oh my god. First of all, they could have just done this with him being frozen or something accidentally. (laughs) But they go with falling into a vat of pickles and being pickle-brined instead. Bravo. Bravo. Keeping it fresh. (laughs) <laughs> this is uh, based on a New Yorker novella uh, that Simon Rich wrote. Simon Rich is the dude, uh, he was an SNL writer, and he also created Man Seeking Woman, the FXX show with uh, that show was all right. Show. It was fun. Yeah. So I can kind of see the weirdness yeah. seeping in through with the whole pickle thing. Um, 
I can't tell if it's gonna be some sort of, you know, like social satire comedy, or if it's just gonna be like kind of like a if it's gonna gonna turn into like a lame like family uplifting yeah, like, kind of thing. Like they they they're gonna market it as they marketed Click the movie, and then yeah. you're gonna get in there and and it's gonna be the cobbler, and you're gonna cry. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just going to be like an art house sad dramedy. The cobbler. <laughs> I'm dro- dropping deep independent films on this podcast today. Did you see The Cobbler? I did. It was so bad. It was bad? Oh, okay. It was garbage. I didn't see it. It was garbage. This is like the third time we've talked about The Cobbler. Why did, why did, we just got to do a full-on review, I guess. <laughs> uh, so that's it for movie news. Two TV news story this week. Run uh, is a HBO comedic thriller uh, that just got a pilot ordered, starring Donald Gleason, uh, who's from Jesus Ex Machina, Star Wars: Last Jedi, or not just the Last Jedi, the new Star Wars movies. He's the uh, one that's always shouting, "The First Order!" <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, he was Bill Weasley in Harry Potter movies. Um, but uh, this is a ro- oh, romantic comedic thriller uh, from. Killing Eve creator Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Guess who Phoebe Waller-Bridge played in a Star Wars movie? The Asian in the beginning of The Last Jedi. Nope. Damn. The droid in Solo, which we know everyone loved. Oh, yeah, she um, sucked. <laughs> uh, but this centers on Ruby, a woman living a humdrum existence who one day gets a text inviting her to fulfill a youthful pact, promising true love and self-reinvention by stepping out of her life to take a journey with her oldest flame, Gleason will play Billy Johnson as a successful life guru from a wealthy Irish family. Born with the gift of gab, he deftly combines a boatload of charisma with a boundless need for approval. Interesting. I don't know what this is about. I don't understand where the thriller <laughs> aspect comes in. Yeah. Are they, like, supposed to go on, like, a trip or something? Or is he, like... It sounds straight-up romantic comedy. It yeah. doesn't sound, I don't know where the thriller stuff is coming in. I, I cringe at this sentence. Born with the gift of gab, <laughs> he definitely combines a boatload of charisma with a boundless need for approval. Ugh, I don't know about this one, man. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I love him. Yeah. And pretty much everything that he's been in has been pretty good, you know, outside of Star Wars. But uh... <laughs> Comedic thriller. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. And it's HBO, so yeah. HBO is generally yeah. they... pretty good. When's the last time you watched a full-on series in HBO and you're like, well, that sucked. Like, true, everything's so good. So let's let's put our faith in HBO. Yeah. Uh, Last news story of the week. Black Mirror Season 5 finally have a a premiere date for it. It's going to premiere in December, which is sort of similar to what it did last year. Probably going to be another holiday release. Uh, The biggest aspect of this news, though, is that it's going to feature a choose-your-own-adventure episode. Yes. Which has been done before i think by hbo they made that mosaic yeah i was gonna interact bring that show. up is was was that good i've been waiting for somebody I mean, to I, do something like that i never because i never saw anything we could be watching netflix and literally use our remote to choose i want to go this way i want to go this way so i wonder if that was good or if it was just like a shtick that was just annoying yeah i don't i have no idea um but apparently netflix is like really trying to get into this sort of interactive yeah uh, storytelling kind of thing. Uh, I apparently they tried something similar to it with like a kids show or something. Mm. Um, although it wasn't like full on choose your own adventure. Uh, but this, I mean, I think this is probably a good place to do choose your adventure because if anybody it's could Black do it, it's Mirror, Black Mirror, and it really ties in. Yeah, I so like. I'm, it. Gl- 
I'm, I can't wait to see, you know, what decision I make for our main character, which would just reflect on what I would do and yeah. then see what exactly, what terrible thing would happen to me in the future. Yes. Really I, I can't wait to say, see how I, like, choose my own doom, basically. Because Black Mirror, <laughs> every Black Mirror episode, you pretty much walk away depressed about the future of technology. Um, but I think this would be a, a really fun one to record as far as talking about our adventure. And we mm-hmm. decide and, and talk about how, you know, yeah. how, how, how it I, played out for us. Yeah, it, it's also, it'll also be interesting to know how many different paths yeah. and different outcomes there are. I'd imagine feels like a lot like, of extra stuff to do, you know? Like... If they did more than like five little segues per episode with a choice on each one, I'd be surprised. Like I feel like it'd be maybe like ten or so branches, but like you you do you do three or more per choice, and that gets a, like a lot. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I'd be with you. I wonder how much effort they're gonna be they're gonna yeah. put into this. I guess we'll see in two months or so. Um, so that's it for news this week. Uh, we have five trailers for you. So like we were talking about before, first up is Dark Phoenix. Uh, they just entirely dropped the X-Men from the Dark Phoenix name, so just yeah. straight Dark Phoenix. Interesting move, I guess. Um, but this is about the... Uh, basically, they tried doing this in X-Men The Last Stand, which was like the third in the original trilogy, and then they like really butchered it because that movie was terrible. Yeah. And, it didn't even like follow the comics apparently. Uh, so they're just they're trying again, basically about Jean Grey uh, being super overpowered and like potentially you know dangerous to like everyone because she can't control the being power. Being in control of her own mind or her own powers, yeah. 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 Um, basically, everyone from the past couple movies is in this. Um, I didn't see really see anyone new other than Jessica Chastain is in this as yeah. someone. I yeah. couldn't. She had one line. She villain for, for sure, right? Yeah, we know she's a oh, villain. Oh, she's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, what did you what did you think about the? Trailer? Honestly, I expected worse from the trailer. I wasn't blown really? away or anything, but we, we've talked about how this has been pushed back and you know reshot. Like I expected worse. I was like, oh, this looks okay. I I was let down. Yeah. Were you hyped for this? Because. I was kind of hyped. Like when it when like it dropped, I was like, "Oh, I feel like I have a little bit more faith and a little bit more trust in them to do it right this time." Don't you remember when we saw like the first image of her and we it looked like she was oh, about yeah, to drop the terrible. hottest mixtape mix of all <laughs> yeah, time, and yeah. we're like, "This is gonna be bad." So I was like, I was like under hyped for it, I think, and that's um, that's why I came out warm on it. I guess I also kind of forgot how bad Apocalypse was, or yeah. underwhelming, I should say, Apocalypse was. Uh, but what I'm just, I'm just so over. It always being James McAvoy does <laughs> yeah. something, or Professor Xavier does something that he thinks is going to protect whoever, yeah. and then it kind of backfires because he didn't tell someone, or tell the person, or tell them, and then they get mad, yeah. and then the person goes to Magneto, who for some reason, I believe in Apocalypse, potentially killed a billion people yeah. in like yeah. a world-ending scenario. Um is still living just a life out in the woods somewhere doing without his own thing. Any, yeah. any repercussions. Um, and then the person goes to them and is like, can you help me? And then obviously Magneto has ulterior motives and wants to unleash them to kill humans. And then it's just the back and forth of that. I'm just kind of sick of it because that feels like that's how every single movie goes. And I thought there was a line in the trailer that was hilariously almost poking fun at that. Magneto goes... Or, uh, he goes, Charles, you're always sorry. And somebody always gets hurt, and there's always a speech, and nobody cares. <laughs> and I was like, 
It's true. Every time there's this big yeah. speech, and I was trying to protect us, and then all hell breaks loose, and because Magneto's there, and yeah, it's kind of shaping up to be the same thing. It's just, yeah. I think if they would have just done something different, if they just didn't have them, just like have the person in the middle, the con, the center of the conflict, always, you know, vacillating between both sides, yeah. it would have been fine because yeah. it would have been something different at the very least. It doesn't feel like it's that hard of a thing to do differently from other movies. Let me but, ask you something. Is Sophie Turner a good actress? No, she's not. <laughs> There's a couple shots of her like just like crying in this movie. I was like, oh no, I don't know if she's gonna be good. Prove me wrong, though. I'd be I'd be happy to be proven wrong. I I'm like a seven out of ten on this. I think it looks mediocre. I am seven out of ten is mediocre. It's average. Sorry. Okay. I guess D would right. be mediocre. Eight, uh, six yeah. out of ten. Um, yeah, I'm like a I'm I'm lower than that. I don't even know. I just um, but that's that's next summer now. So <laughs> got a long ways <laughs> got to a go. long ways to go for for them to do three more months of reshoots. <laughs> uh, next up is for Holmes and Watson. This actually comes out this year. This comes out uh, over Christmas. This stars Will Ferrell and John C. Riley as Sherlock Holmes and I don't know Watson's first name. John. John yeah, Watson? Yeah, I don't know. I think. Um, but uh, basically, as uh, Will Ferrell and Sherlock, or Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, just yeah. being themselves with British accents and just doing dumb things in, and yeah. being stupid, and they literally in the trailer were like these two from these three pairings where you've seen them before. Yeah. Uh, basically, the plot: someone's plotting to kill Moriarty, like the Queen. Yeah, Moriarty's Moriarty, in every every yeah. Sherlock Holmes yeah. thing ever. Yeah, Ray Fiennes is playing Moriarty. Steve Coogan pops up in there. Uh, I didn't really notice any other. Or uh, Rebecca Hall, who was yep. in uh, like the Town, Iron um, Man Three. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, I, what? What? How did you feel about like the humor in this? I. It was really. This is lazy, but it was 50-50. Half of it hit, and half of it didn't. Like, some of it was just rudimentary and stupid, and then they pull out an, an old-timey camera and literally start doing selfies with it, and I thought that was funny. And then he, you know, and then he smacks her in the face, and it's like, yeah. it's like, like stupid humor. What, yeah. what about you? God, that's actually a very good way to put it. Now that I think about it, originally, I, like, in my mind, it felt like most of the jokes weren't, like, laugh-out-loud jokes like yeah. you would get from their previous efforts. Yeah. It felt like they were more like... You would just breathe through your nose or exhale through your nose a yeah, little just bit. Be like like, a, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I love that. I don't want to see the funniest parts in the trailer. I want to go into the theater Let's, and just die laughing. So yeah. maybe they're actually doing that. They're holding the good stuff. It, it really is hard to make a trailer for a comedy because you don't want to yeah. give the, away the jokes. You don't want to ruin the timing. You know, there's buildup for these things. So I'm, I'm holding out hope for these two. That's true. Um, I did like the 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 old fashioned selfie kind of yeah. thing, and then like you said, I hated like the physical comedy where she yeah. gets smacked in the face with it. Similar to that is earlier in the trailer when uh, Will Ferrell is doing like sort of like the the like the math, the slow motion math mm-hmm. in the in the in the air, and then to smack the bee. And I thought that was funny because it's essentially making fun of all the other Sherlock Holmes yeah. imitations for something stupid. But then of course it was like it had to be followed up again by. A form of physical comedy where all the bees rush at them. It was like, well, that's that just was stupid. Dumb. Yeah, it's like, oh, um, bees. Okay, that's bees yeah. attacking people. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I'm, we'll, I'm holding we'll out hope though. Goes. Yeah, it's yeah. It, we 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 gotta tr- put our trust in these two. They're hilarious. We know this. Will Ferrell hasn't really done a straight 
like non-family comedy yeah. in a while. Yeah. Is this And I can't tell This isn't R, this is it? Is, I don't think so. Yeah, PG-13. It'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that is over Christmas. Next movie is also over the Christmas. Uh so we had talked about a teaser trailer for this, uh but the first official uh trailer was released last week, Bumblebee, which is the Transformers spin-off, I guess, uh starring Haley Steinfeld, John Cena. Um <laughs> Basically, Haley Steinfeld finds a a bug and buys buys the Volkswagen bug, and then it turns into Bumblebee, and then um, John Cena's in the army or some the military, I guess, and like two other Transformers or Decepticons, whatever the hell they are, show up and they're like, "We have a war on our planet. Find us this traitor, or maybe the war comes here." Oh, um, and then it looks like the war comes there, so. I am unreasonably overhyped for this. It's the director really? of Kubo and the Two Strings, which I really, really liked. And this movie actually looks like it has heart and is created with the cartoons in mind. I thought the design of the characters were really colorful. And when they're warping, it doesn't just look like literally spinning knives just rotating. You can't tell what's going on. They actually look like they are built into that thing. The action looked a little better to me. It has color to it. It's not just gray Michael Bay nonsense. I, I think this looks pretty good. <clears throat> I can... I don't know how to feel about it because the first half of the trailer is essentially one thing where it just feels like it's like Iron Giant. Mm-hmm. Like a live action Iron Giant. Um, and then the second half of the trailer feels like it devolves into what all the other Transformers movies are where... It's just like this ridiculous explosions and action and constant just battling, yeah. which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's just like, I feel like we've seen that before and it's just kind of like, all right, I guess the Decepticons are going to come to earth or yeah. something. So problem is they got to have robots fighting robots. They're going to have it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think the style just looks a little better and just, just little things like them transforming and really looking like, oh, I could see how that thing was in there because I saw the parts actually move mm-hmm. instead of just and you can't really tell what's going on and just gray CG nonsense. I'm holding out hope for it. I think it could be good. It'll certainly be better than whatever the last Transformers, for, last two Transformers. We've were. been burned so many times, Austin. I understand your, your reservations, but first <laughs> non-Michael Bay hands all over it movie, so... Uh, next up, this was released today, uh, Rocket Man teaser trailer. So this is the story of Elton John's life from his years as a prodigy at the Royal Academy of Music through his influential and enduring musical partnership with Bernie Taupin. Uh, this stars Taron Edgerton, who plays Eggsy in the Kingsman movies, as Elton John. He looks absolutely hilarious. Oh, yeah. um, uh, directed by Dexter Fletcher, who actually stepped into direct and finish up the upcoming Bohemian Rhapsody movie about Queen um, after Brian Singer disappeared off the map because of because of allegations and, yeah <laughs> um, this also stars Bryce Dallas Howard uh, Richard Madden who plays uh, Rob Stark in Game of Thrones Jamie Bell um, so British people all across the board this looks awesome yeah this is like La La Land on Coke um, <laughs> I remember when they announced that it'd be a fantasy biopic, and we're like, what the hell does that mean? And it's a good description, because it looks like it's going to go over his life, how he came to fame, and it's going to be a little little fakey, too. Um, But I I think it looks good. looks fun. 
Yeah, and I I like that the fantasy elements weren't like absolutely fantastical and weird. Like the one, basically the one that we saw was him playing a song at a piano in like a club, and then like the crowd is like floating while yeah. they're like singing along to it, and then he just slowly starts floating, yeah. which isn't like absolutely crazy. Like where it's like he's on like an acid trip or something. Yeah, you just feel like you're floating sometimes at a concert, and yeah, look the good visual representation of that. It looks good. Yeah. Um, very excited for that. Uh, I believe that's next year is when it releases. Last trailer of the week is for Channel Zero, uh, The Dream Door, which is season four of the sci-fi horror series. Uh, there's been basically each, it's an anthology, so akin to American Horror Story where each season is its own story. Um, I'm not sure if they're still doing it based on like creepy pasta stories that yeah they found, initially, but i know the first two seasons were about that yeah um, just scary stories that you found on the internet and they just made a show out of it i like yeah. that concept but yeah i don't think they're following that anymore yeah um but this one is about a family that moves into a house or inherited a house from her parents or something and basically the the husband or the boyfriend goes in the basement and is like what's on that far wall <laughs> is it, and is she's that, like is that a door uh, nothing and he's like well there's there's a door there (laughs) and basically it seems like they can't get the door open but she had like weird dreams about this door the 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 trailer starts out with her just saying like have you ever had a dream where it feels like it's real or happened before or it's going to happen but it was a dream so you don't know and then it's like her her husband or boyfriend is must be cheating or something and then she created this imaginary friend when she was growing up and this imaginary friend is now hell-bent on killing her husband or something like that that's sort of just what i got from that um so i've watched the first like two and a half seasons of channel zero yeah i like it i i like it it has some downfalls some of some of the seasons are like i think almost all the seasons are just too long there's too many episodes too too much filler yeah, they they do suffers from it's like the mis- Netflix Marvel show syndrome, where like yeah, if it was even, two episodes shorter, it'd be much tighter paced and better. Yeah, yeah, it's not even like necessary. Too much filler is just too much like trying to make you care about these um, characters and like really trying to hammer home certain like backstory and certain like characterizations of them. When like you kind of just get the point, and you're watching the show because you want to be scared or yeah. see these horror aspects, and they kind of just like drift away from that. Um, but this. I'm pretty excited about this. I think it looks good. Yeah, all that said, I have no expectations for it because I've never seen it, but this looks badass. Like, especially when you see a glimpse of the her little friend that she drew yeah. when she was little. I was like, that looks terrifying. My wife's not oh. going to want to watch this one. <laughs> um, I, I imagine we'll, we'll watch some scary new shows uh, this month and maybe we'll throw a review at this. You said this comes out this month? Um, I do not know. Okay. I would assume it's, it's coming up here. Yeah, uh, likewise. So maybe we'll give this a watch, but... We've got that Netflix house on Hill House Haunting, whatever that show's called. We've got American Horror Stories airing now. Have you watched that yet? Uh, no, I have not. Yeah, me neither. We'll see. It looks pretty good, though. Yeah, uh, yes, it's uh, end of October, so might give, a, might give a kick. All right, so that is it for trailers this week. Now it is time to talk about Maniac, the new Netflix miniseries. I don't believe there's any plans for season two uh, at this time. Uh, like I said before, directed by... Kerry Fukunaga, um, created by him and Patrick Somerville, who was actually a writer on The Leftovers, which is one of our favorites, um, starring Jonah Hill, Emma Stone, Justin Theroux, Sally Field, 
basically this is oh, about yeah good luck two, yeah about uh two people who get into this sort of like this almost like a pharmaceutical trial yep. slash study in sort of like a weird I don't even know what you call it like almost like a dystopian world that's like a mix between the future and like old time technology it's you really just gotta watch it to understand um it's like blade but, runner aesthetic almost yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's a good way where to put it's, it um, where it's old clunky keyboards and crt screens but a lot of their tech is really advanced yeah um but basically they go into this pharmaceutical trial and uh it's about you know whether whether this drug is going to either help them or give them money or or what exactly it is whatever their motivations are for it um without really giving anything else away can't really i don't really want to give anything else away because i feel like it, it spoils it let's just say there are some fantastical elements that really open up what you're looking at visually um some episodes are really a departure from the episode that you saw before it um it's a show that you really have to pay attention to you can't be browsing your phone on this one uh, and watching this and yeah, it, it's got uh, it's got super bad reunited. Those two actors probably I don't know if you guys can hear sirens, but it's going crazy in the background. Um, <laughs> but man, yeah, let, let's try and talk non-spoiler about this. Yeah, so like like you said, you definitely can't look at your phone. I got I caught myself like looking at my phone a couple times, and I straight up had to just like rewind like ten minutes and just yeah. like, watch the same yeah. like ten minutes over. Is there like over. whoa, what's going on? Hold on. Yeah, yeah. There's flashbacks. Um, there's there might be flash forwards. There's flash sideways. You don't know. What, like, you really got to pay attention. Yeah. Um, I, overall, I love this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was just, I think it was great from the start. I, honestly, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the, I, I, I don't know, the real world elements better yeah. than the fantastical elements, I think, in my mind. I thought those were agree. a little bit, little bit better done. Um, and while I appreciate what the fantastical elements represented, there's a lot of, you know, metaphorical stuff, symbolic stuff going on in there. Um, I think it was, it was just much more straightforward and much more interesting to see what it was in the real world, in the real life of these characters. Um, I was fascinating look at just absolutely creative and original look at like how to, how to look at like mental illness and yeah. like depression and like drug addiction as well as like um like interfamilial dynamics and like societal differences in class welfare yep it was just fascinating to look at and certain <laughs> certain reflections between um for instance Emma Stone and Emma Stone's character and like her family in this the the reflections between uh how her her dad acts or what's going on with her dad and how you can see that like within her life and within her as well as uh the way that jonah hill's families or family or friends act and how that hasn't affected him and how you can understand how he would be turn into that kind of character mm-hmm. just overall loved almost 90 percent of it i do think again because of the fantastical element it's it kind of fell short on some of it and some of the leaps of the characters I don't know personalities or the way that the character relationships didn't really fully work for me mm-hmm. they weren't entirely believable but it was just a very satisfying experience 
Yeah, I found myself more riveted by the real world stuff than the fantastical stuff. Some of the fantastical stuff was while it was beautiful to look at. And let me just say, I'm really excited for Fukunaga to take on Bond. One of the episodes was very kind of high class, people in suits mm-hmm. and stuff. And what this guy does with lighting and lights and colors is is really impressive. The direction was beautiful. The, the, even the score, I thought, was great. The oh, yeah. sound design, the way that they use really old crappy CRT monitors with this new futuristic technology. Yeah, great commentary on mental illness, commercialism, <laughs> the... There's there's literally a, a system in this movie where if you need money, you could hang out with an what they call an ad buddy, and someone will literally sit next to you during lunch and pitch you products while you eat lunch for free, as long as you listen to these products. So just interesting things like that where, like, I could see that happening. No. Um, but yes, visually beautiful. The setting was amazing. And I was really looking forward to the, the fantastical elements almost more than the non-fantastical and just a little let down. Some of them were just weird to be weird and like, I get it. I understand this symbolism. Um, you don't have to keep beating my head over with it. <laughs> let me just say, let's get Carrie Fukunaga to direct some Lord of the Rings uh, TV episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could I could get on board with that. Yeah. I need I need. Apparently Fukunaga said that he is uh, a little in, a little bit more interested in doing a comedy now. He wants to just do like a, a straightforward Some of this comedy. show was hilarious too. I know. Yeah. Some of the show, like, you're going to cry, you're going to laugh, you're going to gasp. Like, it, it really was, it was different, man. Very, very mm-hmm. unique show. Um, let me ask you this. So I've, I've talked to a few people that have basically said that, like, they were very confused, at least for the first, I don't know, five episodes or something. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that. And I don't know if that's just because people were expecting to know what was going to happen or what, but I felt like I... I had a fair understanding of it, and it was more so just like, you're not meant to understand or be able to predict everything that's going to happen in this show right off the bat. It's more about just like sort of the journey of these characters because the entire series is an actual arc for everyone. So were you confused? I'll bet you they were looking at their phones. You know, you really got to put your phone down. And I'm not going to say that this is a challenging watch, but it's a bit slower. It's a slow burn. Mm -hmm. And, but it does like story-wise, it does move quickly, and there are callbacks and symbol. There's a lot of symbolism, and you really got to pay attention. Okay, what happened in this traumatic experience in this person's life? And then you watch the fantasy and, and these these more fantastical elements. You're like, ah, got it, 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 because I was paying attention. Yeah. So I've had people tell me I'm I was bored by it. I turned it off. I couldn't make it past episode three. And yeah, if you didn't like the first couple episodes, I don't think you're gonna like the rest because it only gets weirder from there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's actually yeah, which is weird because like we both enjoyed the the real world elements more, and I would say the first two episodes have the least amount of fantastical elements yep. in them. So, I guess if you don't like that, then yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but you shouldn't, like you said, it is kind of slower, but because of the episode lengths and because of the way that everything is split up. Um, like, for example, the first two episodes, this isn't really a spoiler, the first episode is mostly about Jonah Hill, the second episode is mostly yes. about Emma Stone. Yes. So you just get the backstory of them, and then at the end of, like, the second episode is when you kind of get into, like, this pharmaceutical trial. Um, but those episodes are, like, like I said before, easily digestible. Like, mm-hmm. they're 35 to 45 minutes. It's you're just getting the backstory of these characters. And then once you pass those two episodes, you're into, you know, the much more 
exciting kind of stuff, I guess, in like the typical kind of person's mind yeah. of where you are potentially getting into these fantastical elements and these sort of weirder situations or more interesting situations, I guess. Um, so it does really zip along. It in does. My mind. Like yeah. I, I, wa- I watched it in two nights. <laughs> It's it's one of the shows those shows that you're like oh I gotta watch one more I was so mad every yeah. time I had to go to bed, um, and some of that is because as you get to like episodes four five six mm-hmm. they do kind of live in a silo and you really are like oh how is this gonna connect how is this gonna connect they tease you when they bring you back to the real world and I hope we're not giving too much away I I really don't think we are because you you you're not gonna know where the show's going trust yeah. me not yeah. a chance um. I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, side characters. I loved all the side characters. Same. I loved great supporting um, cast. There, uh, whatever. Justin Theroux is one of the, one of like the people that founded this pharma- pharmaceutical, uh, along with uh, another doctor. Um, they were both great characters. The the uh, the other doctor, I guess the the female doctor. Mm-hmm. She was fantastic. She um, was one of the robots in Ex Machina. Oh yeah, yeah. She did the dance with Oscar Isaac. Oh, I, oh, I guess I've seen her naked. <laughs> yeah, um, but but they all have like these very, they're very well developed characters. Yes. Where even though they are side characters, we know them and we understand them. When you understand like why they're either motivated to perform in this trial or or work this trial or why they're they you know maybe veered away from it or why they're. You know, acting the way that they are, why they're so weird or crazy. Yeah, Justin Theroux was Theroux is amazing. In he this. was He's absolutely hilarious. So hilarious, and just a breath of fresh air when a lot of what you're watching is very serious and slightly depressing, and you're looking yeah. at mental illness. And boy, he comes in and he just makes you giggle. Yeah, <laughs> he's so yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> um, last, really, this is pretty much the last thought. A lot of what we said has kind of made it sound like you really need to pay attention. You really got to like. You're only going to enjoy it if you really catch on to like the minor details and stuff. That's not necessarily true. You do have to just, pay attention. Just put your phone but down. It's yeah. Challenge yourself here. That's that's about it. That's all you have to do to really enjoy this. Um, but you will definitely enjoy it more if you start thinking about it a bit more. If you yeah. start appreciating whatever the, this the symbolics symbolism yeah. symbolism of it. Um, this is something that I do want to go back and rewatch because there there is probably a billion yeah minor details that connect and you know reflect everything that either happens uh, you know in future episodes or happened before. So it's something that you definitely can if you want to just pick it apart constantly. You can probably enjoy it, but you can also just enjoy it high level as well. Yeah, let me just say I generally hate like dream sequences and dream episodes in like even shows that did it really well, like The Sopranos. It's just like, okay, I get the symbolism. This is so pretentious. And some of Maniac, I think, was pretentious. Um, but the way it's shown, the way it's shot, the characters that you start to care for and really root for makes it uh, mix up for it. And it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. You want uh, to – I've got a summary. Do you have a summary? Oh, I do. No, I do <laughs> not have a summary. All right, I'll go. Maniac's visuals, setting, and strong performances by its leads make up for the sometimes pretentious and meandering storytelling. Definitely give this a watch. B minus. B minus. Wow. Okay. Uh. Yeah. I. Uh. I'm gonna go a B plus. Okay. The faults that I did note. Uh. I think probably would have been easily upgradable, easily worked out. Um. If they added, 
you know, 15 minutes to an episode yeah. here or there, yeah. um, which is what kind of hurts about it, especially because it was fairly short for something that is like, you know, kind of feels like prestige like this, where you're like, oh, it's of course it's going to be an hour to an hour, 10 minutes per episode. Uh, but overall, I just, I loved it. When it ended, I was just like super sad. I was yeah. like, oh, damn, I can't believe this is over already. I think I am a victim of overhyping it as well. I think from the moment this was announced, you and I were like, ah, yeah, ah, and I saw the trailer. I was like, this looks amazing. So definitely overhyped it in my head a little bit, but go in with uh, no expectations and I think you'll like it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're going to try and spoil this. Um, yeah. We did not take notes, which we should have every single episode because boy, there's a lot to digest. And let me just say, we are not setting out to be the official breakdown of every episode of Maniac no, and connecting all these all. dots here. Um, yeah, so if you haven't seen it or you don't want to be spoiled by it, uh, stop listening right now. This will be the last thing we talk about. Uh, all right, so spoilers. So I guess we'll just kind of go episode by episode, just maybe just, as a way to kind of jog our memory about certain things. Yeah. If there's, It's probably just, the easiest way to do it. Um, just throw so, out our thoughts. Yeah, Yeah. So, so episode one is basically just sort of the setup of the world, um, mainly about Jonah Hill. Uh, we do see Emma Stone. Uh, from time to time in this episode, kind of crossing paths uh, with, you know, images of her, or we see her at the the pharmaceutical trial, like, waiting room area. Um, but it's about him, sort of his family, what's going on with his family, what's happening with him in his actual life, why he decides to go into this trial. Um, who is living- Who plays his brother? Because that dude keeps popping Bill- up and stuff, and he is absolutely hysterical he's amazing uh billy magnuson i believe is his name he Very was in game nights uh, underrated in, like, actor Ingrid goes west he's oh in, my yeah. god he is so funny yeah yeah <laughs> when he busted <laughs> out the every breath i take every move i make yes. songs and <laughs> i was cracking he's, up he's he's so funny and he plays just like a despicable person in this but then he also plays then he these also, visions yeah. and he keeps popping up as like a differently dressed character yeah. and just hey your brother here and he's just like keeps popping up and every time i just crack up his like shit eating grin is my favorite oh my god yeah. yeah yeah um when he when he pops up and he has the mustache that was like yeah just the best part um which actually let me ask you this did you did, sorry this isn't really going episode by episode here but when he pops up throughout the series do you think that he's sort of like a bad aspect for Owen or for Jonah Hill's character or just because at the end he is essentially helping him out yeah and he's like kind of ridding himself of it or do you think that he was sort of like a bad aspect of his personality or what good I mean at the end he kind of straight up says like I'm the brother you've always wanted I think that was just a a, a, a vision of the type of brother he always wanted somebody to really tell him that he he is meant for more you know Mm -hmm. the whole show he's saying you're meant for this big you're supposed to save the universe and obviously his real brother just treated him like shit his whole life so yeah Yeah. i do although i guess that could also be a reflection of jonah hill's just sanity throughout or his understanding of himself throughout the entire series where basically at the beginning he kind of has like you know these crazy visions of grandeur and this is what that vision represents to him mm-hmm. or his you know fake brother represents to him and then as he sort of realizes that it's all kind of bullshit then at the end is when like the vision kind of is like because that's when jonah hill realizes he has to get rid of him i guess that can make sense yeah too. there's definitely a change in the brother character as he yeah. as he goes out throughout the you know the trials and whatnot yeah um, um were you clear on this is was was he in love with his brother's fiance? 
Yeah, I kind of got that. Kind of got that vibe. But he also... jokes about leaving with her right now, and clearly she's not happy with him. And I mm-hmm. could like he has like his brother literally says like you like her a lot, don't you? No, yeah. like you really like her. But I didn't. I couldn't tell like, what the hell's going on there. Yeah, I don't know. It that was like a weird thread that they kind of brought up, and then they kind of presented. I think like once in a one of the one of the like dream sequences, but yeah. then didn't really address I got a feeling something was cut there and they really wanted to play up the whole Emma Stone Mm -hmm. uh, relationship instead yeah yeah um I did like I I liked how they kind of trip you up on a lot of stuff especially with where you're seeing you know you see Emma Stone everywhere because she sold whatever her face which we find out later she sold her face or her image to like a company and they've that's the first thing I thought of I was like if he's if he's not seeing her, it's definitely just like a stock photo scenario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, again, it was just like another aspect where this was just a great start, where they're just kind of like playing with your expectations, playing with like, is this actually real? Is this yeah. not real? Like, how does it actually work here? Which is something that they do, I think, pretty much until the very end of the show. Oh yeah, there's a lot <laughs> of we'll what is real, which is why sometimes I get tired of the dream sequence mm-hmm. shtick in shows or episodes or segments where it's like. Oh, so much symbolism. You can get as pretentious as you want, but I think they still did a good job here. Yeah. Uh, episode two, Emma Stone, intro to her. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we get whatever the, the Emma Stone episode, which Annie. again, yeah, Annie, which again ends with, uh, I guess them going into the pharmaceutical trial, right? Yeah. Basically is like her blackmailing this woman. Mm-hmm. Basically we get, we get her entire backstory, which this is this is an aspect that I wasn't really the biggest fan of because she kind of is like a psychopath, and then she's a maniac. Like two episodes later, she's like a normal, like loving person. Um, I think it's just it's the drugs. She's a drug addict. Mm, I mean, yeah. she'll do whatever she can to you know. Her hers is addiction, and his is mental. Yeah. Well, hers point. is definitely mental in in many ways. <laughs> Speaking of uh, the girl from Ozark, plays her sister. Oh, yeah. I was really happy to see her pop up. Um, that, that actress is in The Americans as well. She's really great. And when you you hear her accent, you're like, oh, man, I can really tell she's doing a great accent in Ozark. Um, it was good seeing her, though. Yeah. Um, the uh, This is – sorry, this is actually kind of just jumping to the episode three. That's the, fine. The, the yeah. first pill um, where they – Basically, they have the dream sequence, except that they're just dreaming about, like, the worst moment of their life, where just, like, things kind of were rock bottom. And it, yeah, it's just confronting and reliving the worst moment of your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what the what the A stood for, because B was, like, behavioral or and whatever. And C is confrontation. C confrontation, A yeah. is... I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but I uh, I couldn't tell if those were actual like you know scenarios that actually happened or like what it was i was kind of i mean i'm assuming those were like the actual scenarios but yeah. i was just kind of thrown off by the whole by emma stone's dream mm-hmm. where then like i was like shouldn't they both be dead they kind of got like rammed off of Brit, i think like, she got of thrown out she got Ooh. thrown out right before because then she looked over the edge i think i was okay. confused about that too and i was like so are these fantastical different visions of the dream because like when you have a dream and it's kind of a memory type dream it's always way different than what the Mm -hmm. memory was so yeah it wasn't really clear that this was a picture perfect representation of what happened yeah and then his is 
he kills himself at his brother's engagement party. Yeah, he kills tries himself. To, or he tr- tries, tries to kill, to kill himself. himself. Yeah, yeah. But lands on a window and is just like, Ooh. yeah, yeah. There was another aspect where like there are actual like very dark comedic ac- yes. aspects to this. Because I like, was like cracking up and I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, he's just like laying there, is like, and the mom looks stupid. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um. I'm trying to think if there's anything else with that episode that really kind of stood out to me. Obviously, that's where uh, Billy Magnuson, his brother, sings the yep. <laughs> sings "Every Breath You Take." Um, God, uh, actually, one thing that connects with his backstory all the way back in episode one is when they're asking him like uh, if he wants to play Balderdash, mm-hmm. and he's like saying like no, and he's like I like it is ingrained in me like I am against like the basics of that game. It's because he hates lying. And mm-hmm. it's like all Balderdash is. Oh yeah, well, there's a little little bit of characterization right there. So I didn't realize until I looked at something later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's every line. Every line is going to be called back to. Like, there's not a lot of throwaway here. Yeah. Um. Which actually, him hating lying is just wrapped up in the entire episode, which is his entire arc was about him like figuring out if he can actually lie for his brother for mm-hmm. like this terrible thing that he did, mm-hmm. and then, you know, he can't. Uh, um. But then we get to Pill B, which is episode four. Vision time, fantasy time. Yeah, um, this is where and, it really goes off the rails. Man. Yeah, and so this is this is where the like, real fantastical stuff starts. On. We get Jonah Hill with a mullet. He looked dressed hysterical. Hella eighties, hella nineties. Uh, Emma Stone again. This is where again I was like really thrown off by Emma Stone's character in this because again she kind of plays like a crazy woman who's like trying to like she goes and like deceives the person at like the DMV or whatever. And then, like, doesn't tell Jonah Hill, who is her husband in this episode, I guess, about it. Mm-hmm. But then I guess it's, like, ultimately, like, a good thing. You know what? I'm I'm changing my mind about the my problems with Emma Stone's character. Because here, she's doing all the line because she wants to get to the, whatever, the, the lemur. Or yep. The monkey lemur. Yep. Um, that, like, her patient cared for. And she wants to get it to, like, her family because, like, she really yeah. appreciates families. I which, she... I guess, is a reflection of her real life. Yes. And it... I mean, she was lying and doing and cheating and doing whatever she could to get those pills um, for the end reason of being with her family again. Um, So, yeah, I think it plays. Um, The guy who is the owner of the coat shop is the villain in True Detective season one. Yeah. He's also in Boardwalk Empire. He's strange man. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was a ridiculous episode. Yeah. Yeah. did he appear anywhere else? Because the the one like his, one of his sons so. that worked at the shop yep. appeared like in like Emma Stone's episode where she sees him in real life. I think that was one of the lawyers that was instructing him during okay. the deposition training. Okay. Um, definitely a lot of reoccurring faces and whatnot. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, but basically it ends with her taking the lemur to like the the daughter or whatever, and then the daughter's like, I hated my mom. She was like a liar, like all this stuff. Which wasn't Emma Stone's mom. A piece yeah. of shit. Yeah. So yeah. it's more more symbolism. Yeah. Nailing yeah. on that. Just mm-hmm. hitting the nail in the head. Yeah. Um, and then basically we go into next Pill episode B. is Jonah Yeah. Yeah. Jonah Hills. Yeah, Jonah Hills, I guess, version of yeah. this pill B. Yeah. Um, and it's like where they <laughs> it starts out and he's in like this like old fashioned car mm-hmm. in like a tux or whatever, and then sees Emma Stone. And then puts her in the car, and then they drive off. But he gets out, mm-hmm. and then they end up at the the seance thing or whatever. She shoots seance. the driver. It was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he's there to try and steal this. 
page, uh, right? An of unreleased Don page of Don Quixote that completely changes the book or something. Or like yeah. you read it and it's the most profound thing ever. Or just something unrealistic, which, which is part of a dream. So, Which earlier we grabs, see Emma yeah. Stone grab the Don Quixote book. It shows up a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was outside of her, outside of Jonah Hill's family's building, the yeah. whole thing, them crossing paths. Um, but then Emma Stone shows up again, just like teleporting yep. in and out of places in this episode. Literally um, teleporting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it kind of kind of has them, they were like, whatever, like ex-spouses or something, yeah. I think was like the backstory for this but one. But she always burns him because she cares more about the, the heist than him. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the first time that we see Sally Field show up as yep. well. She is like the owner of the house or the 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 woman that is like She's wants the, the ultimate to witch in yeah. this, in this episode or something like that. Yeah, so the weird. longest living deity. I don't even remember. Yeah. Um. But uh, we we do get them like kind of like forcing them together in this too like yeah. where they're like they like want them to like dance at first and like dance together and then she just and then emma stone disappears and then john hill leaves to go like find stuff um but basically it ends with him finding it acting like he gives it to her and he doesn't give it to her yep and he was like just there as like someone to like test the security right yeah mm-hmm. at the very end so again it kind of falls in line with him not wanting to lie like him really trying to like uphold the, like I guess I don't know security the moral backbone of whatever the society is that he's in. Yep. Um, this what is? I thought this was the first episode where I was like, okay, Fukunaga could do a good job with Bond here because it was kind yeah. of spy like. Everybody's in suits. It's a classy party. Mm-hmm. I loved Jonah Hill's like just the way he delivered his dialogue in this in this uh, episode was really funny. Where it's just mm-hmm. like, hmm. Well, looks like we'll see her again later. And it was just everything was just kind of cheesy and like 19, yeah. 1950s Bond like delivery. Yeah. yeah. And it it kind of felt like what someone like his character would act like if they yeah. were put in that situation too, which yeah. I appreciated instead yeah. of just him like going like full force like actual Bond. Mm-hmm. Um which one of these did you like better between like these these pill B? Probably the Sands. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason I want to say I liked the first one, the lemur one better, is because Jonah Hill looked so funny. Yes, <laughs> he did. Just like, just like the best, the best. The, there is so much good costume design, or I guess oh, just yeah. like makeup in this and wigs and shit. Like we'll get to the pill C stuff, but God, the, he just the, hilarious. the costume design and the, and the set design is just bonkers. And this mm-hmm. this show's worth a watch just for that alone. Yeah. Um. Then in episode six is basically where. They, I don't. They might have addressed this at the end of episode five. Is when they start they interviewing all it. the test subjects. Yeah. Um, and basically they're like asking. Um, it's basically just like kind of like a, a mental health check on all these people mm-hmm. based on like what happened. They asking them questions like trying to get them to tell the truth if it's like honest compared to like what their experience was with the pill. Um, and then it gives like the diagnostic on it and it addresses. Uh, Jonah Hill with schizophrenia, mm-hmm. um, and then actually straight up names like his one vision of his brother, and then Emma Stone was multiple personality disorder or borderline so. personality yeah. disorder. Yeah, um, and they like that hits them hard, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, because um, he's ready to go. He's ready to leave. I think at that point. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, 
or I think that's what forces him to want to leave or something. Like he thought like and he, he just or something. He no, it's it's more about I think we're him realizing there is no mission and I'm just actually nuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they also bring up the fact that uh, them two are supposedly like the first pair who keeps like showing up in each other's dreams. So they have like some sort of weird connection there, which we don't really find out. Is that a lie or is that something that's part of the study? Because what I notice is when they, apparently they show like, uh, like the, the numbers that everyone has, so, like yeah. they're, they're the odd numbers. Um, they show the numbers that everyone has. And like, in like one of the things that I think Justin Thoreau pulls out, like when he's dismantling the computer at the end and it has the numbers in order, except one and nine are next to each other, which is their numbers instead yeah. of like one, three, five, seven, nine. So obviously it's like minor detail that only someone on Reddit is going to notice, um, or go through, like comb through that shit. So some people were thinking like, Oh, them being put together was actually part of like the study. And they're like a, I thought Control they got for this. glitched together once Gertie started crying about the death of the scientist. There's a scene where Gertie cries and water goes through this tubing and glitches the numbers one and nine together. Oh, I don't remember that. Really? Okay. It, okay. Right when the guy, the the uh, Asian guy uh, dies yeah. when they're in the room together, yeah. it, that night she goes, and like a tear falls down mm-hmm. that big wall. And then literally condensation drops into these wires and then like flips it like like lands on these two wires and and like melds them together which i thought was like is that like their destiny or is that chaos theory like couldn't really put it together like why are they really together but that's what i took away from it huh okay well that changes my thought process (laughs) there um but anyways then in like episode six six is when um Study hits a bit of a snag, and he, uh, Justin Thoreau, feels like he has to call his mom, or I guess is convinced to call his mom by the he does the, not the, want to do the this. female doctor, um, because he absolutely despises his mom, who is Sally Field, who plays sort of like a self-help kind of like. It sounds doc, like she was a really great, like boundary-pushing doctor, but then took like the pop culture doctor way mm-hmm. out. Like she became like a Doctor Phil or a yeah, the, the guy who sells that crap medicine on Doctor Oz, yeah, uh, Dr. and just Oz. became way less respected and just took the money instead. Yeah, um, but basically he has to call his mom um, and uh, deal with the whole thing there where basically she is just like kind of playing him, trying to get him to act like he was the problem for their relationship and that whole thing. Like he makes her like, like he says, like, I'm like, I like I never said sorry to you. And then she like cuts him off. And then he's like, so you're going to come. And she's like, well, you didn't say sorry. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and he's two like egos against each other. Yeah. yeah. Um but then she shows up, and um, <clears throat> you can tell – I don't know. They have, like, a weird dynamic, those two characters do. It's its like she never <clears throat> loved him or was impressed with him, and he was too proud to – yeah, it's a, there's a lot going on there, and I'm yeah. not ready to start debugging that. Yeah, no. Um, but uh, basically this entire episode is essentially like a Justin Throw show and oh, yeah. the female doctor show, and then, like, obviously we get – so I feel that we get a little bit more of a backstory on – the the computer Gertie and like the actual like trial here and like mm-hmm. the fact that it's failed a bunch of times or a bunch of people have gone catatonic or died in Comatose, it yeah. um and like how like this is like his he created this during uh one certain time I forget exactly when he created it, it was like right after his mom I did something either. put out a book or something or 
some shit and he like wanted to or left the field and he like basically just like wanted to prove her wrong or something yeah. like that where he thought like you could give them medicine and everyone would be fixed as opposed to like doing some bullshit Psychology. self-help thing yeah. yeah um and then we find out that the god i can't remember what was her name greta uh, greta grta no, gertie no no, no no the 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 female doctor i can't remember her name either god um but uh but Asian she doctor. yeah but basically she she reveals that she put um like uh emotion personality traits of the mom into the computer yeah. to like add compassion or empathy into it so did he initially create it around her mom or no i don't know or was it her that added the emotions i think i think and it was empathy her. I believe it was her that added that because he like got mad about yeah, he got that. Pissed. Yeah. Um, and it felt like he was always constantly trying to like not do anything related to his mom. So yeah. it'd be kind of weird. Although I could also see it him just like you know subconsciously doing that as like a way. But we get um, we get basically the reason why everything's kind of going wrong and failing. Yeah. Is, yeah. And is the computer was emotionally and digitally involved with a relationship with the previous doctor who is now dead and she's in mourning. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. And so, yeah. Okay. So that happens. And then we get like episode seven um, and eight, which are where we get the C pill, uh, which is confrontation. Even more bonkers. And so this shit is wild. Um, we get Owen is like uh, this, this mobster, this gangster in this family. Um, and he looks like he's got like dreadlocks and like a grill, and he looks hilarious. He looks like Post Malone. Um, he, just, he just talks like this. Yeah. He's got like no voice infection. And yeah, he um, like and him. he's like supposed to be. He's supposed to be like an FBI informant on his family. Um, another nice little like slight reflection to his real life. Yep. And then we get, and then we get the. I think the wildest part of this is. <laughs> Annie slash Emma Stone as like like an elf slash ranger in this like Lord of the Rings style world. She's like Aragon and Legolas mixed together and a drunk. Yes. Yeah. And she's trying to escort her sister to a fountain to or fountain or a lake to heal her. Heal her, yeah. And in in payment for that, the sister pees diamonds and gives them to her as payment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? When I, we, you and I saw this in the trailer. We're like, "What is going on?" Yeah. Um, but yeah. then I saw hints of this coming. Um, there's some scenes in the background of like drawings of these elves in the back. Like this was apparently her sister's favorite genre and movie, mm-hmm. some yeah. sort of like Lord of the Rings spinoff type type movie. And this, that's how this is relived. Yeah. Um. But we get oh man, basically this is when uh they 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 send um Justin Theroux's mom in to basically talk to gertie yep. um try, try and, and like, reason with her yeah yeah um which does not work she kicks her out she spends like five minutes trying yeah. or at least that they showed us maybe they cut some out but it didn't yeah. seem like she tried very hard it was but it was basically just like sally field talking to another sally field yeah and then the gertie is just like you know kind of manic and all over the place and like super emotional and then super destructive and then super aggressive and yeah. then like quiet um but basically she either kicks the mom out or the mom just leaves no one not really sure yeah. what happens there um but then that's when you kind of realize like oh gertie's just gonna try and kill these people that's why people are going catatonic um uh-huh. and so uh so we get uh she she plays like the, the queen in this lord of the rings land yep, I guess. like the evil <laughs> um, queen yeah, and and she pulls up. They pull up first off. They pull up in like a pickup truck. 
so many genres are clashing here. <laughs> and uh, and she she says something to Annie like like come with me or like I'll you can like stay here forever. You can live, you like, can live with your sister forever. Yeah. And then, but she's she takes tricking her. her. Yeah, yeah, and then she takes her, and then leaves the sister. As a, has a whole thing. And then on <laughs> Owen's end, he is trying to reason with these FBI agents on letting him stop doing this mm-hmm. uh, because he thinks that his dad might find out and is going to drill a hole in his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then his yeah, and then his uh, and then his imaginary brother comes in and kills the FBI agents. And it was like. Th- he points the gun at him. Like, I can't even remember if like he was planning on killing him or what, but then the, but then the, another dude that was like part of his gangster family comes in and kills him. Yep. And it's just a wild, wild scenario. And then we get quite possibly the best and funniest part of the show. Owen turning into a hawk crossing, trying to cross paths with Annie. I'll let you do it. What does he scream? Do you remember this? I was I, cracking up. Does it, does he just yell? Annie, Annie, it's I'm me. A hawk. I'm a hawk, Annie. Yeah. Annie, I'm a hawk. And that to me was like eye rollingly kind of stupid, but I also was cracking up. I thought it was up. hilarious. Somehow he like warps into her world. Yeah. I don't remember why that happened or at what point it does. Yeah. I don't know. But he this warps, is where things get like a little bit weird. And he warps confusing. into an eagle and tries to connect with her, and she's being taken away in this car and as he's coming out to her the, the evil queen like snaps her fingers and he falls into the lake and he's like oh yeah. no i'm not yeah. a, i'm not a hawk <clears throat> but then but then we go into this weird like a basically another version of the pill c i guess and this is basically wrapping up the show where owen then turns into this <laughs> snorry 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 <laughs> um this, this like icelandic norwegian this weak, flamboyant, scared Icelandic agent that <laughs> yeah. has stumbled upon extraterrestrial beings or yes. one being. Yes, Ernie. Ernie, he was the <laughs> kindest creature ever to walk this earth. Um, and basically, it's like he's at like this like UN kind of panel where they're questioning him about it and like telling him to like admit to it because the aliens are now going to kill like people on earth because he killed ernie and we figure out that he accidentally killed ernie by dancing at a party where they were about to introduce the alien he knocked his like gin and tonic into the microphone Microphone, speaker thing (laughs) i was really hoping we'd see this robot instead of the robot reaches up to the microphone and just explodes (laughs) all over everyone and then I guess we find out that Ernie was going to was was playing him anyway, yes. and, and Snore yeah. is like he was he would never do that to yeah. me. Yeah. Props to Jonah Hill, man. I I was dying here. <laughs> it was it was so funny. Also, the line where he basically is talking about like his upbringing, and mm-hmm. he says like a bunch of random like countries that he's <laughs> from, which just makes you believe that his accent might because his accent is bad yeah. <laughs> and he just says like all these random countries which is like okay i guess that's why his accent is bad then well that's that's more of the comedy where they're like tell us the story of ernie and he's like okay my name is snorri <laughs> i was born and then and then they're like will you please just cut to the point um but we also we also get his uh 
his imaginary brother here as like the the u.s representative for like the united nations here or whatever Mm -hmm. um that's like trying to help him out and um and then we see annie there in like in like a red dress just kind of sitting there on the side then she shows up and she's like a cia agent and she's ready to go and she doesn't really realize that she's annie she thinks she's just like this actual cia agent and then jonah hill takes this takes the pill no he doesn't take the pill does he she pulls a pill out of his nose yes yes <laughs> um and he realizes he's owen and starts to yeah. try and get her to realize she's annie yeah but before and that happens boy do we get a kick-ass shootout we get a we get a one take it was a one take yep i had heard there was one and then i was kind of waiting for it and mm-hmm. then i was like okay, Sarah, this is it this is it wife yeah <laughs> yeah um and yeah it wasn't quite on the level of the true detective season no one, one take but it was i think it was pretty- more intense but less yes uh technically impressive yes um but it was still pretty cool um you feel kind of like a very high sense of urgency in it because Mm -hmm. one we don't really know what's going on Mm -hmm. um we don't know if gertie is just like gonna kill them or if the you know like they're the brain waves that they're the the electromagnetic waves that are happening in the real world are gonna like fry their brains um or what's gonna happen uh or if like the actual weird hitmen or whatever the hell is happening are going to kill them in this uh yeah. but basically just emma stone going badass shooting a bunch of people snorry jonah hill shoots like Freaking one or two out. people like, yeah this is the most fun i've ever had you yeah. are very good with weapon um but then they get in like an elevator and that's when they sort of start realizing who they are jonah hill does and then like shit is kind of hitting the fan sees his imaginary brother again he's like i like we have to go this way so you can stop this and Emma Stone realizes she she's made stop a, Gertie. She's yeah. made a very bad pact here. Yeah. And so... So she tries she has, to reason with Gertie. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then for some reason, Gertie kind of... Takes the foot off the gas. Yeah. yeah. Let's sort of, Just I guess... Emotions playing to emotions, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And then we see Emma Stone sort of leaving her sister behind. Finally sort of like moving on from that. Um, and then we oh. get Jonah Hill... I finally remember why Jonah Hill showed up. It's because he lived this life with this waitress that he thought he was in love with. Mm-hmm. And then flash forward to like 40 years later, he has like five kids with her. And he's like, I can't stay here with y'all. You're yeah. great people, but I gots to go. Yeah. Just another way of Gertie just, I guess, bringing them back together. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It was um, killing me not figuring out how no, it yeah. turned. Go ahead. Um, And uh, I believe that, that, that woman that was like, he like imagined that life with, was someone from his actual life that like yeah. he went he, crazy he loved on and what? and got too intense with and yeah yeah because they allude to him messing up relationships mm-hmm. like that later yeah um but then it but then it cuts to him basically trying to like solve this Rubik's cube which is like a through line throughout the entire series that he had from like the beginning um and to, to top it off the Rubik's cube has no colors and he's kind of yeah. trying to do this on memory I guess mm-hmm. but you can't solve a Rubik's cube if you don't know what colors the starting positions are in so that was interesting. Yeah, um, but his his imaginary brother is basically there like the entire time, you know, egging him on, cheering him on, and then sort of that's when he accepts that like he has to get rid of him, like you got to go away. That's how he's gonna solve his whole mental illness thing, I guess. Here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, I mean, he does he does solve it, and then he sees Emma Stone again. He's yeah, like, it's almost he, like he didn't he really save Emma Stone. She kind of yeah. saved herself. So that's why yeah. I was like, there wasn't really a big conflict for him. But 
I think I guess the big conflict was to just rid himself of his mm-hmm. visions. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so then then we end up back in like the real world. All the doctors are surprised that everyone lived and I love Justin Thoreau. He goes, "You're cured." <laughs> kind of like a question like, "Thank God you're not dead." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um and then it gets kind of weird because Emma Stone is all of a sudden, like, not very interested in Jonah Hill again. Kind of bitchy. And Jonah Hill is equally, you know, not interested in her. And he's, like, very he reserved he and shut down. just realizes, like, I can't mess yeah. up yet another relationship. I know yeah. what's wrong with me. And so then they go their separate ways. And, you know, he he is supposed to lie at his brother's trial. And then he ends up not lying. Um and then, and then we uh, find out what the brother's act was, and I think it was forcing a woman at his work to pee on him. To pee on him, yeah. Okay, did not see that coming. Yeah, no, I was thought yeah, it maybe no. be the other way around or something. Yeah, but yeah, Whew, that was weird. Was was a little confused, um, a little bit odd. Uh, but that you know that ties in with pretty much everything else in this freaking show. Um, that we could we, that could be the subtitle for our review of this show. <laughs> pretty pretty odd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But then we get Emma Stone sort of talking with her. So this is okay. So the f- entire final episode is kind of lives in this realm of where people are trying to, or at least what I've seen is, is it real? Yep. Or is it fake? Oh, is yeah. it still like sort of this dream world? Because things kind of tie together nicely. Too well. Um yeah. as well as the fact that like like Emma Stone goes goes home. Her dad is all of a sudden out of his, like, weird pod that he had, like, trapped himself in. And is the exact dad figure that she wishes she had now. And now now she has. Yep. Yep. Um, and he's, like, you know, very open with her. Wants to hear about everything with her. Wants um, to reconnect. You know, and he's pushing her to reconnect with Jonah Hill's character. And Jonah Hill's character is essentially, you know, shuts himself down. Goes to the goes to the mental institution because his brother called in that fake anthrax threat or whatever. <laughs> yep. Um, and then he like fully believes that he's crazy. Fully believes that like Emma Stone isn't actually there. But then she gets him to run away. Before we, she does, see, she she signs in with the owner of the lemur on the sign in sheet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Little just little hints here and there. Yeah. That, yeah. that make you start questioning this. Yep. Uh, they they. Uh, they find the dog that she was putting up, you know, posters for in her episode. Um, and they drive away and they get away. And then we also see Justin Thoreau and the female doctor, you know, drive past them. So a couple things before that. I don't, I think the truck that she drives is like a truck that's in one of Jonah Hill's dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the dog that she had in the car was the same dog in the posters. Yeah, I think the I think it was the dog at like the very end that we see like walking down the road. Yeah. The one. So yeah. then they cross paths on the road with the other two main characters, mm-hmm. and then we literally see the dog riding the poop scooper, and we get the eagle. I'm on camp. They're still dreaming, and I wasn't before, and I was like in love with this ending, and now I'm kind of sad. I. I There's don't just think too they are. many hints, man. I don't think they are. Is this just a? Tie a bow on it, happy ending? I think it's just a happy ending, and I think that's what it is. I think... Do you think they're just, like, lazily throwing in these red herrings for the <laughs> purpose of having an ambiguous ending to spark discussions like this? I don't know. They, they might be. They might be. I just, like, it just feels... It's mainly Jonah Hill's side of things that sort of 
make me feel like it isn't a total dream because like he didn't really live out anything great in that dream until the very end and yeah. it's sort of like but until the very end where he literally ran away with the girl like he described he'd love to do in a previous I fantasy guess, i guess i guess where they there get was, into a car and drive away the there is one thing that really sort of confused me that i don't no one seems to have an answer to is the package. when yes the package mm-hmm. and Hank Azaria, who plays, like, her dad in this episode, I guess, he's, he's he's like, asking her about, like, if she has anything to tell him or, like, if she – what I forget exactly what the specific question was. But before that, she goes back to her old apartment, and they sort of linger on this package that's, like, mm-hmm. on her kitchen table, and she never grabs it, doesn't check it. Yeah, I think there are some things that I read where the CEO of this med- medicinal company says we might have use for this project in another capacity – and some people are saying maybe they were sending a package to those two to get them back in the study mm-hmm. or give them additional results or try and rope them back in. It could be something like that. But, yeah, it was kind of like, did they forget to cut that? Because I was really confused yeah. why they focused in on that. Yeah, I don't I, Yeah, I don't know. It felt felt weird. And it kind of like there are start, like stuff like that kind of feels like it's like, oh, well, maybe there's there's going to be a season two or something. But. Pretty sure everyone that was in this has said, like, yeah. we're not going to do a season two. Fukunaga has definitely said he's not going to do a season two. Um, so I don't know. I, although we do see, um, like, different floors or a different level of yeah. the pharmaceutical facility. Yeah, like where Cabin some, in the Woods style. Yeah, crazy shit is happening. So who knows? Maybe they'll go that route. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I've i never really been fully torn like this where I, like, can't definitively be, like, fully yeah, believe myself when I say it, but I, I don't know. I I, I actually didn't I catch all of the hints during the watch, and I was mm-hmm. like, I finished before the post credit scene, and I was like, so heartwarmed. I was like, oh, that was that was so cute. And then they showed the post credits thing with the hawk and the and the the, the, the dog. I was like, oh no, it's they're in it, they're in the dream still. And now I'm just torn. I, I I'm in camp dream though. It's also sort of that that post credit scene is sort of reflective of like the stupid humor that is yeah you know randomly inserted throughout so it almost just feels like something that the fact that it is a post-credit scene almost yeah. makes it feel like they just like want to do something dumb and just, just something fun yeah yeah but but but, the, but even without that it's still kind of yeah the, the, ambiguous the four main characters in this entire show drive by each other yeah and he yeah. starts saying the story that he was narrating in the beginning there's just too much too much of a bow was that on this thing everything works out for these characters like exactly as they always wanted i don't know man um, if you think about it that way, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> they it could, is, but ultimately they, they are healed. They could be stuck in Gertie still. But they are healed. Yeah, but they're comatose and stuck in a simulation. But I don't know. This some, is a Black Mirror sort some, of Some could scenario. argue all of us are currently stuck in a simulation. <laughs> so just think of it that uh, way. All right. Um, Overall, though, I, I loved it. I, I would rewatch it. And just talking about it makes me raise my grade to a B. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm still at a B plus. I can't wait to rewatch it um, and pick up on other stupid things. Maybe I'll d- be able to definitively say if it was real or not. You after let me a rewatch. know. But, uh, but yeah, uh, thank you for listening. Remember to tune in next week. I believe next week we're talking Venom, right? Yeah, yeah. Venom. We're off Venom. to a good start with uh, reporters asking Tom Hardy what his favorite part of the movie is and Tom Hardy responding, the 40 minutes that were cut. So he's already prepping always, audience for a disaster. Always a good sign. Um, and uh, remember to like, uh, share, comment, subscribe, 
review. Give us a five-star review on whatever podcast listening platform you have. Check out GhostShip.com, GhostShip.com slash support. If you want to help us out in any way, there's three different ways that you can do that. GhostShip.com slash feedback if you want to give anonymous feedback. And, uh, yeah, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Let us know on social media what you thought about the ending of Maniac, or if you even watched Maniac. Uh, All right, see you guys.